Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. We're in a series, if you're new today, on Elisha, and uh, we are coming near the end of the series on Elisha, and then after the first of the year, we are going to be starting a series on the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. So that's going to be an exciting thing. So you can be reading Hebrews and praying about it, but we're looking at the life of Elisha. One of the things that you find in studying the Bible is that God talks to people a lot. You know the old hymn, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. It's true. God talks to people. He talks to you. The art of Christian living is to learn to discern when it really is his voice speaking to you because he is speaking. He speaks in a variety of ways. He speaks primarily through his word, the Bible, as we read it. It's God's word to us. It's his letter to us. And at times as you're reading the Bible, you'll have this specific sense that what you're reading right there is for you and your situation. He obviously speaks through the preaching of his word. There are times that as I'm speaking, God is talking to you. Sometimes it is exactly what I am saying, and it applies to your situation. Other times I will have people in the hallway who will tell me, you know, today you said this, and as they're telling me what I said, I'm thinking, I did not say that But I know this, they were having a miracle of hearing as the Holy Spirit was energizing the Word of God to speak specifically to them. Sometimes he speaks through creation. Nature itself declares the glory of God. Sometimes there's that still small voice in our heart, and we know it's the Lord speaking. But maybe the most misunderstood or least understood way that God speaks is through what I would call personal prophecy. It's interesting that God speaks to people through personal prophecy. And if you look at the Bible, you'll find that the primary way, says Wayne Grudem, who is one of the foremost theologians in the world today, says it is prophecy is the primary way by which God has spoken to mankind through the ages. God speaks that way. He's still speaking through personal prophecy today. Maybe you've never heard about personal prophecy. That's okay. You're going to hear some about it today. Maybe you've heard about it and you've thought, you know what, I'm just not sure what to do with it. I don't know what I think about it. And maybe some have said, I don't want anything to do with it, which is unfortunate. Because it is one of the ways that God chooses to speak to people. We're talking about personal prophecy. We could define it this way. It is telling another person or group of people Something that God has spoken to your heart about them. Now, as we come to 2 Kings chapter 8 and chapter 9, what we're going to see is Elisha is going to give three personal prophecies. 
The first prophecy is to a woman whose son he raised from the dead. The next two prophecies are to two individuals who are not a part of a royal family. They don't have royal blood, but Elisha tells them they will become a king. Let's look at the first personal prophecy. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, go away with your family. Stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last for seven years. That's a specific word for her telling her what's going to happen to the country and you can read it and find out that's exactly what happened. The second prophecy is to a servant who would become a king. Elisha went to Damascus and Ben-Hadad, king of Aram or Syria, was ill. When the king was told the man of God has come all the way up here, he said to Haziel, take a gift with you and go meet the man of God. Consult the Lord through him. Ask, will I recover from this illness? And Haziel went to meet Elisha, taking with him as a gift 40 camel loads of all the finest wares of Damascus. And he went in and stood before him and said, your son Ben-Hadad, king of Aramis, sent me to ask, will I recover from this illness? Elisha answered, go and say to him, you will certainly recover, but the Lord has revealed to me that he will in fact die. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Haziel felt ashamed. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping, asked Haziel. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places. You will kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Haziel said, how could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram. Personal prophecy. Servant's going to be a king. Instantly. And he tells him what he's going to do. Here's a third prophecy. This is to a man who will become the king of Israel. Prophet Elisha summoned a man from the company of the prophets and said to him, tuck your cloak in your belt, take this flask of oil with you, and go to Ramoth Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. Go to him, get him away from his companions, and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour the oil on his head, and declare, this is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and run. Don't delay. The NLT says, Run for your life, because it could cost him his life if he sticks around. And the result is, Jehu does become king, Haziel becomes king, and the famine happens all according to the word of the Lord. Personal prophecy is real. God at times speaks to other people and tells them things that he wants you and I to know you say, why wouldn't God just tell me? Because God is never going to let any one of us come to a place where we think somehow we are self-contained enough and spiritual enough that we don't need anybody else. God is always going to work in our life in a way where we understand how dependent we are, not only on him, but one another as we walk with him. Spiritual growth is not a do-it-yourself project. When people think 
They alone hear from God for themselves, and they don't need anybody else. Honestly, what happens is they become weird. Some of you, the bubble is slightly off because you're not in a life group. You're not around other people. You're not giving other people the opportunity through relationship and their spiritual gift to speak into you in ways that would elevate your walk with God and mature you in your understanding of God and his purposes in your life. It's a dangerous thing to call yourself a spiritual person and operate in isolation. As we said, God uses prophecy. He can use the gift of prophecy to speak to the church. He can use the gift of prophecy to speak to individuals. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is listing some gifts of the Spirit. He gives us nine of them, and he writes this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Would you notice everybody in this room, theoretically, as a follower of Christ, these gifts are available to every single believer. God gives people gifts. You have access to these gifts. Here are the gifts he lists. Now, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. You say, well, what are all those about? Uh, that's for another message. If I go into that, you'll be done about noon. Okay, verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So the nine gifts listed there. Among them is the gift of prophecy, and yet after listing them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to this in chapter 14 and verse 1. Listen to what Paul says about the gift of prophecy. Pursue love, because we just got out of chapter 13, the love chapter, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. The idea is that you would crave them, that you would say, God, I want these operational in my life that it would be the cry of your heart. God, I want you to do supernatural things that are beyond my ability, that are done by the power of the Spirit in my life. Especially that you may prophesy. Paul says, I would love it if everybody prophesied. If everybody was walking so close to God that every now and then God would use them to speak a prophetic word to people they come in contact with, people they know and people they don't know. That's the heart of God for followers of Christ. We don't talk about it enough, probably. Maybe you've never heard it, but the fact it's here in the Bible means it's real, it's important, and it's for you. So when we talk about prophecy, let's not... Think in terms of prophecy being something that happened in the Old Testament and has no uh, effect or meaning to our life today. And let's not relegate it to 
a few wild-eyed people to be the prophets. Let's understand it's for everybody. Now, as we look at it, I want to cover three areas. First of all, I want to talk to you about the purpose of prophecy, and, and there are five areas. Now, as we walk through this, because this is new territory for a lot of people, you don't need to feel bad about that. You say, I was never raised in that. It doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we're all about it. If it's not, we're not, right? That's where we're at. It doesn't matter what your church background is. I wasn't raised in this. Many of you weren't raised in this. In fact, most of you weren't raised in an AG background. It doesn't matter. It's pretty much a community church, and I'm thankful we're assemblies of God as a church denominationally, but the makeup of the church, probably only 20% are AG in background. So if you never heard of this, don't feel bad. Probably a lot of people have never heard of this. But what I want you to see is we're going we're gonna to give you a lot of Bible verses because the Bible talks a lot about it. So if you never heard about it, don't write it off and say it's not important because you haven't heard about it. No, what you need to say is, wow, if the Bible says that much about it, then this is important, and I want to learn, and I want to grow in my understanding of this so that if God has something for me, I want it, right? That's where we'd all want to be. So, number one, first purpose, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. That's why God gives prophecy. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening. What this is, is it's, it's a building term. It has to do with the foundation. It, it, it's speaking to people to lay a foundation, maybe a foundation of what God's going to do in their life. What God wants to do, how God wants to work, it creates a, a bedrock for them, a foundational understanding. Their encouragement, that word paraclesis in the original, the Holy Spirit's called the paraclete. That's a Greek word, the, the comforter, the encourager. And so the idea is um, to come alongside them and to encourage them in what God is doing in their life. That's part of what prophecy does. And then it can be, and for comfort. That God may come and give you a word for somebody, and God might show you that there's somebody who's struggling with anxiety or somebody who's struggling with a situation, and, and just the fact that God showed you that, and you came to them, and, it's, and you said, the Lord wants me to give you a word that he's going to help you with this, or he sees you where you're at, and he's going to work in your life, would be a great comfort to them. Now, I say this because we want to remember these words, strengthen, encouragement, and comfort, because a lot of people, unfortunately, have gotten the idea that prophecy is kind of like the Old Testament prophet who's declaring doom and declaring judgment, and because, I mean, the people were wicked, the kings were wicked, they were worshiping idols, and so that's what the, the message was. But if we're not careful, what can happen is people can carry that into the church, and we're under a different covenant. We're, we're under the new covenant. It's a covenant of grace. And prophecy in the new covenant has a decidedly gentler presentation so that it strengthens people. It encourages people. It comforts people. And I know there are some people, and you have been used in prophecy, but, but you haven't been taught in prophecy, and you haven't understood what I'm saying, and so you almost have this harsh, judgmental edge. And I don't say that to be unkind to you. I say it to encourage you to realize we're in a different covenant. You say, well, what if, what if God reveals to me 
that somebody's got some stuff going on in their life. They got sin going on in their life, and, and I'm going to give them the word. Well, let me, let me suggest to you a couple of things. First of all, Oswald Chambers, you know, my utmost for his highest, he said this, when God shows us the weakness of another person or the sin of another person, it is always for the purpose that we might pray for that person. So see, before you go to prophesy, how about you just pray? You say, well, I think they need to know what's wrong. Listen, do you think that you can do a better job of convicting them than God can? Do you think that you can say to them in a prophecy what, through your prayers for them, God couldn't work in their heart? I just think we have to be, we have to be thoughtful on this. You say, but don't you think there are times, okay? Let's say that there is a time where there's somebody who, who has really veered off course and God has given you a word for them. Then in the spirit of strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, you might go to them and you might say, you know, I feel the Lord has a word for you, that he's calling you to draw close to him that he might work in your life. Same thing, isn't it? Said in a new covenant way, right? Number two, instruct. First Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. You see, here's what can happen is prophecy, and this is why it's so important. It can instruct us and give us direction in what God wants us to do. It can show us the source of a problem and the solution to a problem. It's very, very interesting. Back in 2017, I was leading a, a tour, primarily James River people. We were uh, doing the journeys of Paul, and we were at the Vatican. And on the steps of the Vatican, we're getting ready to go in, and I have a stroke. And instead of going in, I'm taken by, a by an ambulance to a hospital there. And, and the upshot is, out of that, my body was weakened, and um, I developed a condition that, that some of you are familiar with. It's called POTS, Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. And what it does is, um, depends who you talk to, a lot of people believe it's virally induced. There is no cure for it. They give you medication to moderate symptoms, but even that doesn't always work. What it does is your, your brain sends signals to your heart that, or to your blood vessels that cause the blood vessels to relax. So now they're not pushing the, the blood back to your heart. So then your heart's saying, oops, I'm not getting enough blood up here. So it starts beating extra fast, causes your body, your brain causes your body to dump uh, all of your adrenaline, all of you know, the chemicals into the bloodstream, kind of the fight or flight type syndrome. And so now your heart can be racing. Uh, mine get up to 225 beats a minute. And I mean, you just, you're going to go flat. And then after it's over, you're going to be exhausted. And I went to the Mayo Clinic and, you know, they tested me like, yep, you got it. And, and um, I said, well, what do I do? They said, you know, um, we don't really have any good news for you on this. A third of the people in your condition retire because it's, it's just literally debilitating. Another third will gut it out, and then another third will get better, and we can't tell you why. But we can tell you this. If you don't start moving, you're not going to get any better. So this is in 2018, the spring of 2018. So uh, the first time I walk around a block, I come home, walk around a block. It takes me six. I have to sit down six times to be able to make it around a block. So you can, some of you have seen the pictures from that era when I'm like, you know, skeletal and, and not doing well. 
And it's because of all of that. So anyway, um, my concern was it would happen in a church service. You know, so all of a sudden my heart, because you, you never know what's going to happen. When it happens, it happens. You just got to go down. So I told people on a Wednesday night, told them, hey, if it happens, don't worry. I'm going to be fine. Don't call an ambulance. Uh, you know, I'll be fine. So uh, that fall in 2021, um, you know, I have an episode right here on the platform. Um, I'd had a couple on, on a Sunday, like one time Robert Madu was speaking, and I was laying on the curtain, behind the curtain, uh, when he walked out. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, just go preach. I'll be fine. <laughs> but um, so in 2021, I'm, I'm having an episode as I'm preaching. And so I'm looking over at Brandon, and I'm like, hey, get me, you know, I need you to get up here. And he hands me a Kleenex. I'm like, no. And then he hands me a bottle of water. I'm like, no. And then he's like, what do you need? I'm like, I'm going to have to lay down. You have to preach. So he finished the sermon. I'm laying down. And I mean, you're just thinking, this is, this is crazy. Have a doctor, a couple doctors back there all the time. They're talking to me. They're like, you got to get to the ER if this keeps happening. And, and um, so... Long story short, somebody in the church is talking to an individual I've never met who's a pastor and has a gift in the prophetic, has written some books, and he tells them about my situation that morning. He was talking to him that afternoon, and that pastor just immediately says, it's a demonic attack caused by a major, major stubborn spirit because of, and I've never told you this, so this first time you're hearing this, I've been very careful about this three years ago, because of Pastor Lindell's role in the coming Great Awakening. And if the people close to him will fast and pray for 30 days, it will break the power of the enemy and he'll be whole. So I'm like, man, I have nothing to lose. So I call people to pray for me and people pray 30 days the day, gone, gone, just gone. I mean, I've never had an episode since. It was a personal prophecy that told me the source of the problem. And, and interestingly enough, Debbie all along said, this is evil. There is a, this, this is caused by an evil spirit. She said, I know it's an attack of the enemy. But that word showed us what to do and it resolved. Number three It'll reveal the secrets of a heart. But if all prophesying an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all he's called to account, by all the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. We have seen that where people have given a prophetic word, actually named the person, said there's somebody here, this is your name, this is the situation, the circumstance. And people are like, oh my gosh. Uh, it, it's, it's the word of prophecy that touches people's heart. Number four, it can foretell future events. So not all prophecies about future events, but some does involve that. And so here you have the story of a prophet by the name of Agabus who stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world, and that famine took place during the reign of the emperor Claudius. So that was a prophetic word for the church to get them ready for what was going to happen. Prophetic words can happen for individuals. To tell them about the future. In chapter 20, this is the Apostle Paul, now compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me. How's he doing that? Personal prophecies. Coming to Paul, warning him 
that prison and hardships are facing me. He Later, we read this in the next chapter, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming up to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes we can get a prophetic word. We have to be careful what interpretation we assign to it. They got this word, and they said, well, Paul, obviously you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. God's telling you not to go. Paul said, no, God is telling me to go, but he's letting me know what's going to happen. So we have to be careful. Just because the Lord speaks to you doesn't mean you have the answer to every question that prophecy might create in your mind. Now, there's a fifth thing that prophecy does. While we were worshiping the Lord... And fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He'd already called them, but now the Holy Spirit speaking to the church because the purpose of prophecy is to confirm a direction. So what can happen sometimes is you can have, you can have a word that gives you direction, but then you can have other words that along with it confirm the original word. So I'm, I'm going to tell you some things that typically I would, I'm, I'm just careful what I say on Sunday morning. I'm more apt to say some things on Wednesday night because I just am concerned. I don't want to unsettle people who've never been here and they're like, what in the world? But if you're here on your first time, then God, God bless you and love you. Um, you're hearing some things I wouldn't normally, this is a very unusual message. So if you came on another Sunday, it'd be different. Um, so in the last month, you know, we're in a move of God. So to this point, almost 4,000 people have put in testimonies of healing, extraordinary healings. And so, um, and there's an acceleration of them. So they're not getting less, they're getting more. And we believe that the best is yet to come and there's more ahead. So in the last month, though, um, I had somebody in California, and it's, it's not Bill, because um, when I say California, people are like, well, it must be Bill. No, it's not Bill. Uh, somebody who has a nationally known prophetic ministry. And I, I'm telling you this so you understand how things, I'm not trying to unsettle anybody, I just, I believe in personal prophecy, I believe it's true, I believe it's real, and uh, I've seen it to be so in my life. So they give me a word, and there were people around me when they gave it, and they said, listen, you need to get the church ready. God is sending the nations to this church. So, and their word was, and you have no idea what that looks like. You know, you just, you know, get ready because it's going to be uh, very unusual. Uh, so then while I'm on vacation, I talked to another person who, uh, who's got a nationally known prophetic ministry and we were just talking. I, mean, I was on vacation. And he said, I have a word from the Lord for you. I said, I said um, what is it? He said, God is getting ready to send the nations to James River. And he talked just briefly about it. And he said, does that make sense to you? I said, kind of, sort of, I think so. <laughs> I didn't say anything about the other word. And then this morning, you know, I'm getting ready to speak on personal prophecy 
This is unusual. So it's not, it's not like every day is like this that you could think, oh, every day is glorious for him. Um, <laughs> no, some days are much less glorious. Um, but I get up this morning, and the first email is a prophetic word from somebody. And in this word is a beautiful word. And twice in this word, it said, get ready. The nations are coming to James River. Now, you're asking me, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know what? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I'm not the kind of person who's going to try to figure things out. I don't think that's my job. My job is just simply be encouraged, rest in it, and say, God, your will be done. Kind of like Mary. Mary said when the angel Gabriel explained to her something she had no way of comprehending. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. So I would say the same thing to you. This is not something to worry about or think about. or want. You know, it's something to, to pray about and say, Lord, we just want what you have for the church, right? So that's the purpose. Now let me give you some general characteristics about prophecy. We'll move quickly here. Number one, it, it, it is revelatory. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. In other words, prophecy is not... Um, you as the prophet rehearsing what you've been thinking about. In fact, I would suggest if it's something you've been thinking about, it's probably not a prophetic word. If it's, it's not you taking what you read in your devotions and now moving it into somebody else's life, what you read in your devotions is for you, and I think we have to be really careful about moving what God is speaking to us or what we're thinking about and making that the word for somebody else. Oftentimes, what happens, and I would say as a general rule, the, pro the, pro the prophecy is spontaneous. It kind of like comes out of the blue. It kind of like all of a sudden you, the prophet knows something they did not know, and it's a spontaneous knowledge of what God wants to do. Second, it should be contextual. It says this, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. So typically it's to a specific group, a church, an individual, and whereas like scripture is in a general, it, it's general in its application. Could be specific towards you, but it's, I should say rather than general, universal. It, you know, I, I give a principle and it, that we all should desire to prophesy. That's a universal application. It applies to everybody. Prophecy is contextual. It applies to a person within the context of their life or their circumstance. Number three, it should be weighed and tested. And let me just say this, because I've heard people say, well, you know, if the prophecy doesn't come true, then, you know, they're lucky because in the Old Testament, they'd have been stoned and we don't even need to listen to them anymore. Um, that's, again, the Old Testament. In the New Testament, remember, there's grace. Ever heard of grace? Grace. Grace means people are learning. Grace means people are growing. Grace means we want to help people. Grace means that we understand that as people are growing in the use of this gift, they might not get it right on the first time. It might be their 10th time, and they might say something that's off. That's why the prophet has to be willing to be instructed. You have to keep, hey, I don't care if you're a new believer getting into prophecy or you're John Lindell leading James River. We all better be teachable, right? 
We all want to have a teachable heart. So we weigh it. In the, in the Old Testament, the prophets are judged. In the New Testament, the prophecies are judged. There's a difference there. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh carefully or weigh what is said. Let me give you just eight principles on evaluating prophecy here. Does what is said align with Scripture? If it's not in the Bible, if it's like completely against the Bible, have nothing to do with it. It's not from God. Number two, does it align with sound doctrine? I mean, is it, when you look at it, does it, does it fit within the confines of, of biblical orthodoxy? Number three, does it confirm what the Holy Spirit is already doing? I mean, can you see, for example, when they talk about, um, you know, the nations coming here, can you see that? We have people coming in all the time now. Number four, does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? If it doesn't do these, then I would, I would be very careful about receiving it. Number five, if it is predictive, does it come to pass? So sometimes what you have to do is you have to just say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm going to see what happens. There's nothing wrong with that. You're just waiting on the Lord to see, does it come to pass? Number six, is it spoken in love for the welfare of the recipient, or is it manipulative and harsh? If it's manipulative, if it's harsh, I would disregard it. Number seven, does it correspond to personal experience? Is there anything in it that you say, you know what, I can see that I, I, for where I'm at, or, or the Lord's stirring my heart, and maybe you'd never thought of that, but all of a sudden there's something in your heart that says, you know what, the Lord is stirring my heart, and the Lord is encouraging me. Number eight, has the person given the prophecy prophetic words, had prophetic words confirmed in the past? So, I mean, the track record of the prophet, certainly, if this is a person's first prophecy, you need to take that into account. That doesn't mean it's not accurate. I'm just saying we want to, you know, there are some people that as they grow in it, then their credibility with it becomes greater. I think we all understand that. Now, we weigh prophecies, but we have to be careful not to become cynical about prophecies. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, do not scoff at prophecies. The NIV says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good. So Paul's saying, listen, test it. You might have a prophetic word where part of it you're saying, I really believe that's from the Lord. Part of it you're saying, that I think is, is off for whatever reason, and I'm going to take the good and not worry about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going I'm to eat the meat. I'm going to spit out the bones. There is, that is what Paul is saying there. Test it, evaluate it, take the good, the other let go. Prophecy is not, again, the primary way God speaks to us, but it's one of the ways God encourages and directs our steps. Now that leads me to the third area I want you to see, and that is we need to value prophecy. You know, I, I say that because there are a lot of people who would be like me for most of my ministry because I've seen people abuse it. And I know, I know some people could say, well, when you do this, are you not opening up the door for people to abuse it? I don't believe so. I believe you all are a pretty astute group of people. I believe you're here because you love God. I mean, James River's not for the faint of heart. I mean, 
you know, we go through the Bible verse by verse. We get done with this. We're starting the book of Hebrews. I mean, you're gonna, we're going to go deep. Get your scuba gear on. We're going to go deep. Um, so, you know, I got great confidence in you. You love God. You want to apply the word of God. I believe you can do this. But I think what happened to some of you is what happened to me, that because I'd seen it so abused, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I'm not saying I would outright reject it. I just was continually skeptical of it. And what happens is when we don't value what God values, then we close the door to some of what God wants to do in our life. So when I was, it would have been in the summer of 2021, I just began to pray and say, Lord, as I was drawing close to the Lord, really in preparation for what's happened, I believe was part of it, the, I just really was convicted that I had wanted nothing to do with it, just in the reading of my Bible, and I felt like the Lord was saying, was convicting me. And I just said, Lord, you know, I've, I realize I've not wanted personal prophecy. I've not been open to it. And I repent of that. And Lord, if you want to speak to me, then I need you to do that. And I want you to do it. Here's what happens is too many people, what cuts them off from prophetic words is they're too confident in their own ability to hear from God so much so that they don't think they need anybody else. And whenever a person thinks they don't need other people in their spiritual journey, then they're going to, the, the, the needle on their compass is going to be off and they're going to kind of wind up out here. They're going to become weird and they're become unteachable and they're going to become hard to get along with. We all need one another. None of us have all the pieces to the puzzle in our box. I need you. You need the people around you. We need one another, and we grow best when we do it through relationships with other people. This is why you need to be in a life group. This is why you need interaction with people so that you're hearing other people. And, and indeed, when you hear a prophecy, you can ask people, what do you think, people close to you who know you? It's why we need church. It's why we need to, to be around one another. But we need to be open to God speaking prophetically about the situations we face. There's great benefit, great blessing in that. Second Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat, their, their land's being invaded. He's the king. And he stops, and this is what he says. Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Then watch this. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. I mean, how many people want to succeed? I do. Sometimes the thing that keeps us from experiencing what God wants to do in our life is we're only willing to listen to God for ourselves and not let anybody else speak into us. And we miss what God might have done, what God wanted to do, because we're too proud to accept input from others. As well, when you come to Ezra, so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. They prospered through their prophesying. 
When I read those scriptures, I just like, Lord, I, I just repent because I've not been willing to listen to what you want to say to me through other people. And when I repented, you know what happened? I mean, I've, I've been in this now over 40 years. But instantly, I start getting words, just words start coming that are very, very helpful to me. Here's some practical ways to value prophecy. Number one, ask God to send people to you who have prophetic words. God, would you just, if there's something you want to say to me and I can't seem to hear it, and I need to hear it from somebody else or you want to say it through somebody else, would you send somebody to me? Number two, ask God to give you prophetic words for people. Listen, I, again, I would advocate that the best thing to do is just simply say, God, speak to, through me to people around me. And rather than, you know, obsessing, you know, in your prayer time over what is the word? What is the word? Don't worry about it. When you get there, you'll know the word and, and God will use you and you will have learned a valuable lesson in the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit to work through a person in a moment. Number three, carefully evaluate prophetic words. Got to be, got to be careful. You just got to evaluate them. Number four, write down or record prophetic words. So, here's what happens at times. There's times I've given people a prophetic word, and then later they come back and they're like, "Can you tell me what it was you said?" And I'm like, "Uh," because it's spontaneous. I wasn't thinking about it before. I didn't think about it necessarily after the word just came out. And so you ask me to give it to you an hour later or two days later. I mean, I'm just, um, I'm just. Uh, the Lord loves you. That's what he's saying to you right now. He loves you. Yes, you. You know, I mean, that's a, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying is write it down right away. Get your phone out and record it. We did that during the Design for Life conference. Uh, there were a couple of words and, and I saw people get their phone out and record it. I thought that is so smart to do that and then transcribe it. So what I do is when I get it, uh, it might be written in a letter. It might be said verbally. It might be an email. could be a text. What I do is I, I put it in a place in my phone where I have all of these prophetic words. And then with regularity, not every day, but with regularity, I go through and I read them and I pray, Lord, this is what you're doing. This is what you want to do. And I just pray that, Lord, you'd make it happen. I'm open, and if there's things in my life that are keeping this from happening, show me what those are so I can, so I can walk in your will as much as you desire me to. You know, why would God speak to you if you were going to just throw it away and forget about it? And I'm not saying a prophecy is at the same level as the Word of God. I'm not saying that. But I am saying when God speaks to your heart, for the purpose of encouraging you, you'd want to do it. As we close, I'm going to wrap this up. Prophetic words are powerful. There's something about the releasing of words vocally that brings about the hand of God in a situation. You know, it sounds very mystical, but it's it's... Listen, this is a supernaturally um, powerful life that God wants us to live. Sometimes God wants us to declare something before he's going to do something. And when, you, when you speak to people for their comfort, 
their encouragement and their consolation. It's not just you. It's the Lord. And that releases his work in their life. Because with your word from him and faith in their heart, powerful things will happen. But an example that I think all of us would understand would be the last three years of healing. Now, let me just put it to you this way. 29 years at James River, and I bet you I could, I, I, I've, I've thought about this. I don't think I could count 10 people that I knew were healed. And we had prayer for the sick every Sunday. That's a long time. And now, the last three years, we're somewhere around 3,800 to 4,000 written testimonies of healing. Not everybody's filled out a testimony. These are only the people who've sent them in. So, and we went from 123 to 1,300 to now it's like 1,800, 2,000. So, um, and my numbers may be off on the... the I know we're somewhere between 3,600 and 38,000, 4,000. Bill Johnson comes to James River on a Wednesday night in March 2021. When he comes, um, I'd never met Bill before. Bill comes in, Bill speaks. I'd say 150 to 200 people were healed. It was, I'd never seen anything like it. And we've had people who have healing ministries through the years, but I'd never seen anything like it. So at the end, Bill gets up and he gives this prophetic word. And um, I won't read all of it to you, but let me read part of it to you. God, we're here to see the tormented set free. We're here to see those who have fatal diseases in their body healed. I know that already happens here, but we are at the beginning of a dramatic acceleration. I believe he's equipping this house to accelerate in anointing and breakthrough. Goes on and talks about accelerating faith, Wigglesworth faith, healing, all these things. And six months after that, it just starts happening. We don't, we're not doing anything different. It just starts happening. And then today, we have thousands of testimonies of healing. That's the power of a prophetic word. Are you with me? I'm just, it's, if Bill doesn't declare it, we're not going to see it. If you don't declare to people, you're not, they won't see it. There's something powerful about the declaration of what God is speaking to your heart about a group of people or an individual that releases the power of God into their life for the blessing of their life. And everybody who's been healed, honestly, we can trace it back supernaturally to that one prophecy. And that's the power of prophecy. Amen.